Good morning, everybody. I know it's early. Let's try it one more time. Good morning. All right. Not bad. Not bad. What a joy for me to be here uh, with all of you today uh, to be at what I call my home church. That's what I consider Daybreak to be. Uh, Rick's already introduced me, but I'll tell you a little bit more about me quickly. I have uh, lived, as he said, suffered for Jesus in Hilton Head, yes, but I lived in South Carolina and Georgia. I've been a youth pastor for 28 years now, uh, and when I grow up, I'm going to get a real job. I keep telling people that. Uh, but no, I have had a passion for students for a long time, still do, and my job is about as real as it gets. Um, I wanted to take a second and tell you about my family. I married a Georgia peach, and therefore that's why I've lived in the South all these years. It was destined to be, and there's a picture of my family there. My lovely wife, Gina. I have three kids, Bailey, Avery, and Christopher, who are all college age. My son, the youngest, is just about to, or is a senior in high school, just about to graduate. Uh, and it's already been said, I'm the, the brother of Rick, in whom I am well pleased, and also the brother of Dave. Uh, some of you know Dave. A lot of you might know Dave. He's a worship leader here as well. So I'll save that line for him because I think he's coming second service. I'm not sure. Oh, no. All right. But anyway, um, nonetheless, and we're, we're excited to celebrate my dad's birthday. There's a picture of uh, the Jacobs boys, the Bob Jacobs boys uh, there. And uh, it's pretty cool. Uh, my dad was born the same year as Superman, 1938. And we discovered that in 1988 when we had his 50th birthday party. Uh, and now I'm nearing that same age. It's kind of crazy and your perspective completely changes. But he has always been Superman to me and I'm excited to see him today. And hopefully he uh, handles the surprise well and we'll, we'll see how that all goes. <laughs> but it, it'll be great. It'll be great. So, all right. Well, Daybreak, you guys have been in this uh, sacred search series, I believe, for five weeks now where we're trying to just really discover what it means uh, to live life to the absolute fullest. College football fans in the house, anybody will claim that the day after the Penn State game? And yeah, I'm there with you. I'm, I'm grieving as well. I, 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 that's right. We are. Loyalty. There we'll, we'll stick with it. Anyway, college football is huge in the South where I live. And um, so I was just thinking, to open up this morning, I was thinking about a game that a few of you will remember if you're a college football fan, from 10 years ago now, September 2008, it was an SEC matchup between Florida and Ole Miss. They were squaring off together, uh, and uh, uh, Florida was a heavy favorite. Uh, the quarterback for Florida at that time is one that, a name that all of you will recognize, whether you care a lick about college football or not, because he's become a larger-than-life celebrity and uh, all that. Does anybody know who I'm talking about? Tim Tebow. Yeah, that's exactly right. Tim Tebow was a quarterback. For Florida at that time, they were ranked number four, and they were heavy favorites in the game. However, the game was 31 to 30, Ole Miss with less than a minute left, fourth and one. Tebow's got the ball, quarterback sneak. Of course, he's going to get it, right? He always gets that. Did not get it, came up short, the upset was complete. And Tebow, of course, being the most popular uh, and, and well spoken for the team, was the one that met the media afterwards. And with tears in his eyes, he let loose on this speech that has forever become immortalized among at least Florida fans. And he said, I promise you one thing a lot of good will come out of this. He says, For you'll never see any player in the entire country play as hard as I will play the rest of the season. You'll never see anyone push the team as hard as I will push the team for the rest of the season. You'll never see a team play harder than we will the rest of the season. And he made good in his promise. They won the next 10 games in a row, won a 10-game winning streak, and won the national championship that year. And when I, think of, uh, when I think of giving it all that you have, when I think of living a life 
to its fullest. I think of a guy like Tim Tebow because he's going on to do so much more off the field than he ever did on the field and did a lot on the field. If you don't follow him or not aware of it, he's an unabashed follower of Jesus. He is an inspiration to countless athletes to share your faith wherever you go. He's had a greater impact with his foundation. Did you know last year alone they did 537 proms for special needs kids across the world? That's amazing. Um, you know, his speaking engagements, his books, his, his classic uh, I Black, you know, win or, win or lose with the Philippians uh, 413, I can do all through Christ. This guy is a great example of a person who's living life to the max, living life to the fullest. And Jesus in John chapter 10, your key verse for this series, as I understand it, lays it out pretty plainly when he says, I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Or another translation that says a rich, satisfying life. Or even the message paraphrase says a better life than you've ever dreamed. That sounds pretty good, right? I'll just be honest with you up front. I understand as you sit here, as you're waking up this morning, for some of you, you think of that and you think that, that kind of sounds like a fairy tale. I mean, you're thinking, listen, I don't live in Tebow's world. <laughs> I understand, you know? And that, that just kind of sounds like a pipe dream. It's highly improbable. It's pretty much impossible right now just based on life and stuff that's going on all around in your circumstance and, and, and your situation. But believe me when I say that this life is the life that God intends for you and for me. You see, we all have the same needs. We all have a desire. Uh, we're searching for connectivity. We're, we're, we want to belong. It's the way that we're wired. We want significance and acceptance, our most basic needs. But it all boils down to this. We all want a good life. When you were a kid, you didn't wake up in the mornings. You know, it's just running around and saying, man, I hope my life really stinks today. You just didn't have it. I counsel couples who are about to get married all the time. I have yet to meet a bride who's going down the aisle saying, this marriage is going to be a disaster. I don't want to be here. You know, get me out of here. You see that stuff on the Lifetime channel, yes, but I mean, not in real life. I mean, who wants to spend their life just surviving instead of thriving when you were created to do so much more? And yet you ask people all the time, how you doing? And they're like, Oh, getting by, barely, you know. And that's an honest answer. I can appreciate that. We've all had weeks like that. But do you really want to live that way consistently when you were created to be so much more? You were created to be a part of something bigger, the miraculous work of God, to be a part of his story, which is history. But life is full of surprises, is it not? How many of you guys in the room like to be surprised? Let me see your hands. Come on, you can participate here. Okay, that's my, uh, that's my spontaneous, carefree part of the crowd. Oops, I just, there we go. How many guys uh, do not like that at all? Let me see your hands. All right, there we go. My, there's my, uh, my planners right there. Yeah, for sure. My, my OCD people. Yes, all right. <laughs> Listen, life is full of surprises, unexpected twists and turns. It'll be that way for my father in the second service coming up. It, but it can be very confusing at times as well. Hashtag the struggle is real. My marriage is just not going like I thought it was going to go. Uh, you know, school is, well, school, you know. Uh, my job isn't working out. And don't even, get, don't even get me started on my kids. Oh, and then on top of that, who am I supposed to vote for, you know, this week? I mean, life is just full of questions and full of surprises, And for those of us who are followers of Christ, you may have found yourself asking this question while you're trying to figure that out or figure out God's will. And here's the question. God, is that you? 
Or is, or is that me? In other words, God, did, did you just make that happen in my life or am I just reading into all this? Or God, is that your presence that I really felt last night or was it just the burrito that I ate? Let's be real. Listen to John chapter 3 and verse 8. It says, the wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you can't tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. Now, I hear that verse, I think of one word, mystery, mysterious, right? That's, the, that's what Jesus is saying here. God's ways, his movements, his purpose, his love in our lives can often seem mysterious to us. In fact, in Isaiah, it says, uh, as far as the heavens are above the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, my thoughts higher than your thoughts. And I'm okay with that to a degree because he's God and I'm not. I don't want to be in the same plane, you know, with him. He predicted his death and resurrection, and I can't predict what we're going to have for dinner tonight, you know? So there should be a difference there. Curious ways can sometimes be frustrating to us. So how do we know? How do we, how can we understand God's will for us? Well, today, that's what I want to give you a couple answers to that question, to focus on a couple truths that show us how we can become more discerning, even like Christ, and discern God's will for us in the big and small of life. So if you have your Bibles, whether it be on paper or on a screen, I invite you to turn to Romans chapter 12. And we'll come back to that in just a minute, but Romans chapter 12. But we're going to start with this statement this morning. The key to discerning God's will is to be transformed by God's presence. The key to discerning God's will is to be transformed by God's presence. I mean, he made you. He's the one who knows you better than anyone else. It kind of makes sense, right? But how do you make that happen? Well, here's what I'd say for starters. I'd say that the greatest way to live the greatest life possible is to spend the greatest amount of time with the greatest of all time. Did you catch that? Let me slow it down. I'll say it one more time. The greatest way to live the greatest way possible is to spend the greatest amount of time with the greatest of all time or the goat. All right? You familiar with that term? I told you I've worked with students now for almost 30 years, so if you're not up to the modern-day lingo, today, GOAT now stands for the greatest of all time. In my day, it was the total opposite. If you were the GOAT, you know, in a football game or any other activity or competition, you, you hung your head, you were humiliated, you blew it, you know, but now it's gotten completely flipped on its head, and you stand tall and proud, you know, if you're given that title, that GOAT status, you know, it's kind of funny. And they throw it out, students throw it out just so casually today, you know? I mean, I made three tackles in the game Friday night. Dude, you're the goat, you know? Okay, great. Now, my sister ate five Twinkies. Yeah, she's the goat. I mean, it's just kind of just out there. Things change so much. But the logic is pretty simple and straightforward, okay? You want to be the best that you can be in life, go to the source. Think about it. You want to improve your skills, you want to, in sports or business, what do you do? You try and rub shoulders to the peop- with the people that are at the top of their game or the best in the field. You attend seminars or workshops, and you're trying to find, answer this question, how did they do it? And if you're lucky, like really lucky, maybe you'll get FaceTime with that, that person at the top of their field, you know, and have a few minutes to just kind of bounce your ideas off of them or just try to, you know, glean whatever you can, and you'll remember that meeting for a long time beyond that, because that was a life-changing encounter for you. You see where I'm going with this, right? 
because of what Jesus has already done for you and for me on the cross, we have been given access to direct FaceTime with the GOAT, with the legit greatest of all time. We can spend time with God anytime that we want to. That's so crazy if you really think about it. What a privilege and honor that we often take for granted. And I take the time this morning to unpack all of that because the key to this fuller and deeper life is that consistent daily time with him. A.W. Tozer once said, trying to be happy without a sense of God's presence in your life is like trying to have a bright day without the sun. I mean, come on, just common sense, right? The key to discerning God's will is to be transformed by his presence. Check out the screens and let's listen to Dave Reeby's story. For the first 20 years of knowing God, my relationship with him was mostly characterized by serving other people, studying and reflecting on scripture, and praying for others and my needs. These are all good things, but activities alone don't lead to a rich relationship with God. Through solitude and silence, I'm learning to live in an authentic relationship with God as a human being, not a human doing. This has meant clarifying my inaccurate images of him and understanding my identity in him. God is who he says he is, not who I think he should be. And I am who God says I am, not who I or others may think I should be. In God's presence during solitude and silence, I'm learning to receive his love and to allow him to do his transforming work to renew my mind, will, and emotions, freeing me to live fully as he desires. Waiting while God does his transforming work has been hard for me during my career transition where I especially need his guidance and would like a full-time job soon. However, God is more interested in renewing me than taking me out of hard circumstances or giving me answers. As my relationship with God has become more authentic, I'm loving others better and understanding that God's will is not about finding his roadmap, but being in full relationship with him day by day. These things allow me to experience the abundant life God has promised through life's journey. We'll get a mic working. There we go. All right. Great, great, great. So I love what Dave said there in that video. Did you hear how he focused on being and not doing? It's not about the circumstances of your life, but it's about him being molded and crafted into who God wants him to be as he's transformed by spending time with his father. So good. All right, let's go into Romans chapter 12 and verse 2. Dave referenced it in his story. One of my favorite verses. Here's what it says. Don't copy the behaviors and customs of the world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. You see, the more you see life the way God sees it, the more time you spend in his presence, the more your decisions will be aligned with his heart. 
And that's when you experience the rich and satisfying life. For a thriving life, not just a surviving life, but a thriving life awaits those that discern God's best for their lives. I love this kind of paraphrase of, of Romans 12 too. Someone said it this way, God's will, okay, according to what we just read, is good and it is good for you. God's will is pleasing and it'll bring you joy. God's will is perfect and it'll bring you wholeness. That's good. Good stuff right there. Let's move on to verse 3. Back to Romans chapter 12. Paul cautions us against something that can keep us from God's best. Verse 3 says, because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give you each of this warning. Don't think you are better than you really... Go ahead and turn to your neighbor and tell them that. No, I'm just kidding. Don't think you're better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith God has given us. In other words, we need a clear picture of God, and then we need a, I need a clear picture of me to be able to discern God's best in my life, and that I can be open to the work of God, as Dave talked about, to renew you know, what he wants to renew in my life. Have you met, ever met somebody uh, that doesn't quite have a clear handle on where they are in life? Maybe they have a little you know, dreams or visions of grandeur, you know, yeah, well, yes, I essentially run an entrepreneurial business that caters to the upper class and provides, you know, for their specific daily needs. Dude, you're a greeter at Walmart. I mean, come on, give me a break, you know, people who don't, don't think that you're something that you're not. So how can we be real? How do we get that clear picture? Here's how. Stop measuring yourself by what you get done, by your status, by your reputation, and start measuring yourself by your relationship with God. Stop measuring yourself by what the world says is success, and start measuring yourself by the transforming truth of God's word. You see, it's not about what you've done, it's about whose you are. We just sang it, we are the sons and the daughters of God, right? That's, that's what it's all about right there. I am who you say I am as the song goes, you know? It's all about our identity and understanding that. And listen, if you don't know who you are in God's eyes and the way that he sees you, then you're measuring yourself by the wrong things. The best way to get that clear perspective of who you are is by reading his words, his transforming truths, see what he says about you when you spend that time together with him. All right, question. Who in the room here wears glasses? Can I see your hand? All right, a bunch of you. I just entered that world. Here we go. Welcome to the club, Rob. Here we go. Hey, there are people beyond the third row here. How about that? Okay. <laughs> I thought it was an empty room because of the first two rows. Um, I just entered the club about a year ago, and it's for nearsightedness, so it is the distance thing for me. So uh, I'm just getting used to this. But spending time with God is a lot like cleaning your glasses. Dirty glasses, I'm just starting to realize as I'm seeing all the smudges right now in the, in the light right here. Dirty glasses uh, uh, give you a very distorted perspective. You can't see clearly. That's kind of the point, right? You know, it's like, oh, I'll see clearly another time. It's pretty stupid, right? But when I'm driving, I've noticed that when I've, f- haven't cleaned my glasses in a while and those smudges and all the dirt just kind of dominates on there, I can't, that's not really doing its job. But when I clean them off, it's a whole new world. It's like, hey, there's signs on the road, you know, and deer, and there's a small child. No, I'm just kidding. But, you know, <laughs> it's not that bad yet. <laughs> like, I'm not riding with him. Okay. 
But spending time with God, it's like cleaning your glasses. And in the, the spiritual disciplines that you're learning, that we're learning in this series, that's essentially what's happening here. You're learning how to clean those glasses because that's how you see life. Your perspective, it's how you see the world. And you can't discern what God's doing in your life if you can't see clearly, if you can't see through his eyes. Now, Paul encourages us in Romans 12 in this passage to be honest in God's presence at a later time, but it's tough to be honest with God if we're not quiet enough to even take time to know what he's thinking and what's going on. And this is why we need to engage God with, with, with God's word. We need to engage with our hearts through scripture and through prayer. We need to understand where God's at work and where he's ready to impart new life into us. And this is why it's so, been so important for me to not only read the Bible, but to start journaling in my life. And I tell you, I, I went into it kicking and screaming years ago. You know, I just like, I'm not keeping a diary. Come on. You know, that's, that's for girls, you know, kind of thing. But I was, I was sharing with our young adult group just back home last week that, that something probably that, has, that one of the best things I've done to bring my relationship with Jesus alive and, and fresh and just continue growing with him is by simply writing things down. Because we forget. We're forgetful people, right? Anybody else forgetful besides me in here? Anyone else relate to the Rob Jacobs home? You know, when we ask questions all the time, like, you know, uh, mom, I forgot my homework again, you know, kind of thing. Or, hey, honey, have you seen my keys? I don't know where I put them. Or, hey, honey, have you seen the children? I think we left them at school. You know, I don't know. But, uh, we're forgetful people. You know, it, it happens. But this is, uh, this is why Moses, back all the way back in Old Testament Deuteronomy, in his farewell speech, uh, that, that said, said 34 times, he hammered this one word, remember. 34 times he said that, remember, remember, remember what God has done for you. And that's why I'm so grateful that the first pastor I served in or under 30 years ago basically kind of you know, forced me to start keeping a journal because that habit has grown and flourished into one of my most treasured possessions. And now I have dozens of journals you know, that look something like this that I've kept now that just remind me of God's goodness, and his faithfulness in my life, his specific answers to prayer for me and for my family, from the small stuff to just like, God, thanks for getting us through this really crazy week, to the big stuff, like, thanks, God, for healing my daughter of her seizures, and everything in between. Because it's my personal living testament, you know, that the God who has been faithful to me in the past is going to be faithful to me today and next week and for the rest of my life as well. Amen? So my point is, you need to find new and fresh ways to engage God's word with your heart and celebrate the fact that he is at work around you. If you clean those glasses, you can start to see through his eyes and see what he's up to. And get this, the reality is that discerning isn't something that we do all on our own. You can't do it by yourself. It's a community thing, all right? It's an all skate. We, we discover God's best together. Look at verse 4 and 5 of Romans chapter 12. It says, Just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. So growing up right down the road here uh, in Dillsburg, uh, as we did, um, we had these name plaques that were hung on the wall in our dining, dining room that were like the biblical meanings of our names. Uh, and so... Um, Dave's was 
uh, beloved, you know, that's a nice one, right? You know, Rick's, what, what, Rick, you're brave? Is that what you were? Brave, brave, you're so brave. R- Ricky, it was then. It said, Ricky, brave, you know, and, and Robbie, as I was at that time, mine was wise discernment. And I was like, as a kid, it's like, what the heck does that mean, you know? I mean, <laughs> brave, that's pretty straightforward. Dave's loved, Rick's brave, and I'm, what is that? Why is this sermon? I don't get that at all. Kind of got gypped. I was like, Mom, take my plaque back. Get me a new one, you know? It's obviously very wise in my early years. But then I started to understand what it meant as I grew up, and then I kind of like took the flip side of it, you know, inwardly, and, you know, all of a sudden I became like Solomon, you know, in my mind, you know, and I was kind of like, well, yes, as a matter of fact, I believe I am the wise one among the Jacobs brothers. Thank you for noticing, yes. So, obviously I was still clueless and uh, didn't, totally missing it. Part of what I failed to realize was I needed the community of my family to help me to learn to discern. I, I, I always want to live up to my name, yes, but it required the help of my brothers. It required the help of my family and many others to help teach me what wisdom looked like, to grow up and to become mature. I'm still working on it. And so as we just said, the best way to discern God's will is to be transformed by his presence, but being a part of the family, that's how you can learn to live it out. We all need friends. We all need mentors in our lives. God did not create us to live in isolation, but in community. But we especially need friends with whom we share the common bond of Christ. People who are far from perfect, but people who are on the same journey that we are. Because in discerning God's will, one of the greatest gifts God gives us is each other. And that's why it's so important for you guys to get involved in a small group. And that's why Daybreak has such emphasis on that. They want you to develop sacred friendships that are so essential to encounters with God. Listen, even Jesus didn't go it alone. He found companions for his journey. He sent the disciples out in two. And if he did that and he needed that, you and I most certainly do. I gave a message at our home church a few weeks ago, a communion message, and was talking about Jesus' final words to his friend group, if you will. Final words, the last supper that they had together, and essentially it was this right here. Love each other as I have loved you. And and you are never more like Jesus than when you do just that. I tell our students all the time uh, that you are never more like Jesus than when you love awkward people. Sounds a little bit harsh, I understand. But listen, awkward. By awkward, I mean different. Okay, because someone different than you might seem strange, but normal is just a setting on the dryer. We're all strange, all right? Just get that out of the way. But think about it. It's easy for us to love people that we like or people that, you know, that are easy to love. But you find someone that's a bit different than yourself to love and connect with, that person can teach you things about yourself. That person can teach you things about God as well. They can stretch you. They can help you to become more like Christ. Check it out. You can't be patient unless you have someone to be patient with, right? Someone has to rub you the wrong way to test your patience. You can't be kind. You can't be loving or gentle without other people. And sometimes friends can help us to see the bigger picture of God's perspective, see things in a different light than what we've ever seen before. Sometimes they can call us out, and that's a good thing. They can keep us accountable, and that's when it gets real. That can only happen, though, when we have people alongside of us because we need each other. Galatians 5 says, since we're living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's lead in every part of our lives. 
In other words, not just the big decisions that I need to go to God for, okay? We should be asking God about all of them. Uh, here's a question I'm often asked, or have been over the years, and that is, how do I know if it's really me or if it's God speaking when I already want something on my own? That's an honest question, right? In other words, am I just using the name of God to put a stamp of approval or blessing on something that, that I've already decided to do? Because it's easy for us, you know, to ask for, for things with selfish motives. We can hide it from everybody else, but if we're honest, you know, it's because uh, we're selfish by nature. It's our default mode, you know, it comes very naturally. Enough about me. Come on, let's talk about me. You know, it's just the way we all are. I saw a bumper sticker. You've probably seen it too. It represents that well. It says, I can only please one person at a time. Today's not your day and tomorrow's not looking very good either, you know? But a lot of times people will take verses and try to build it around those motives and try their needs. Like a verse in Psalm 37 that says, trust in the Lord with all your heart uh, and he will give you the desires of your heart. I'm sorry, trust in the Lord, he'll give you the desires of your heart. And some would say, see, God wants me to have my desires. Didn't you see that verse right there? You know, because it's all about me. And they'll be like, no, take two. Let's go back and take a look at that one more time because you missed the first phrase. If I trust in the Lord, then he will give me the desires of my heart. So think about it. If I'm truly trusting in God, then my desires are lining up with his desires, right? A better prayer for discernment is one taken from Psalm 139, for example. Verse 23 and 24, it says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in your way. Another great verse of discernment, that, or prayer for discernment, that I've used in, in more recent years is from 1 Corinthians 2. It's a great chapter overall, but the final verse says, but who has known the mind of the Lord as to instruct him? Catch this, but we have the mind of Christ. What? I, I have the mind of Christ? Well, earlier in that chapter, it talks about how the Spirit searches all things and how no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God if we're in Christ, then we have the Spirit of God within us, which can make, as it says in this passage, judgments about all things and not merely human judgments. So we have the mind of Christ. That's another one of those crazy statements, if you think about it, having the mind of Christ available to me. Really, why wouldn't we be praying that every day? Lord, give me the mind of Christ. Give me your mind revealed by your Spirit. I know I've been praying that more and more in my own life. All right, I want to close this morning with this. One of the books in spiritual uh, or in Bible studies that has been most instrumental and influential in my spiritual walk and journey is called Experiencing God. And what Henry Blackaby builds and elaborates on is in this study are spiritual realities that are taken from Scripture that talk about the way that God speaks to us in our life, the way we can hear His voice, the way we can listen and respond. And one of those realities which speaks directly to this, what we've been talking about today, how we hear God speak and discern his will for us is my favorite reality, and here's what it says. God speaks to us by the Holy Spirit, through his word, through prayer, through the church, and through circumstances of life. That's good. First, notice that there's more than one way that God speaks. That's important, all right? Too often we will isolate, we will, we will decide on God's will based on just one way 
you know, that, that kind of conveniently fits into what we already want to do, like we just talked about. Like, man, God, I really want a sports car. And, you know, the other day while I was praying, I saw that sports car, so I'm going to go get that sports car today, you know. Circumstances, right? Yeah, God's speaking. No, that's not how it works. Let me say this, too. I'm not limiting, of course, the way that God speaks to us. God is God. He can speak to us through dreams and visions uh, or, you know, he used an old donkey in the Old Testament. He can speak however he wants to speak to us in our life. He's in control. But these ways we find today are consistent with his character and his words. And this has been a filter for me in my life over the past 25 years in making big decisions and small decisions for me and for my family, and it served me well. So in wrestling with a decision or when you're just really wanting to know what God's up to in your life, start here, number one, what has God been saying to me through his word? What has God been saying to me through his word? What am I reading right now and applying to my life? How am I connecting, you know, with that? I've had so many young people over the years ask me for counsel. Rob, what should I do about this situation? And in my response over the last years has become usually something like, well, what have you been reading? Have you been reading the Bible? You know, what's God been teaching you about your life through, through reading and, and listening? And then, you know, of course, many times their response is, well, I haven't really read the Bible, you know, much at all lately. Well, then how do you expect to know what God wants you to do? Because that's where it all starts. Secondly, what has God been saying to you through prayer, through quiet times, through journaling that I talked about, through times of worship? Guys, I want to challenge you. It's so easy. It's really easy to incorporate this into your life, to listen to God's word or music during your day while you're riding around in your car. You can do it while you're, you know, in your house, while you're walking, uh, even in the background music of the job. I mean, it gets your mind right. It allows you to be more receptive to what God is saying to you. Thirdly, how about the church? How about what you're hearing right here at daybreak on weekend services? How about what you're hearing through your small group? How about what you're hearing through other trusted mentors and friends and godly people that you trust in your life? And finally, what about life circumstances? Is God opening some doors or is he closing other doors in your life? Listen, as you begin to accumulate answers to those questions, then you have reason to celebrate because if you even see God in one of those, then here's the deal. God's been speaking to you. God's been speaking to you. You've been in touch with the creator of the universe, and that's a pretty amazing encounter if you really stop and think about it. And we sometimes get it wrong. Yeah, sure. But I believe God will honor that trajectory over our perfection because we we won't always make the right choices in life, of course, but that's when we lean in on the mercy and the grace of God in our lives and to get us back on track and to ask for discernment and say, God, please give me the mind of Christ. Help me, to, help me to know what you want me to do today. Help me to clean those glasses. So what's the roadblock for you today? Are you too busy? Is that it? Do you need to take more time in your daily schedule to really hear from God? Maybe in your heart today, you have something that shouldn't be there, resentment or unforgiveness or a hurt. You've not been honest with God or someone else about that. Are you prepared to let God's spirit speak to you in that way, to lead you towards conviction, something that you maybe need to be a little more vulnerable with or find someone to, to share with that today? I challenge you to go to sacredsearch.db.church, sacredsearch.db.church, and listen to the, 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 the five-minute explanation that they have there provided of how you can discern God's voice and try this week to start discerning what God's inviting you to move towards. 
to take some time to really listen for his voice in your life and to celebrate it when you hear that and to do whatever he's telling you to do. Let's pray together. Lord, this morning you tell us that if we lack wisdom, that we should ask you and that you will give it to us generously. And so today we're asking, God, give us the mind of Christ. God, give me discernment. Give me your wisdom revealed by your spirit. Give me wise discretion. Help me to see you at work around me and to follow your lead, to follow your steps, to listen to your voice as you desire to connect with me in my everyday life. And God, we thank you that you are good, that you care about the details of our life, and that you're present in our lives today. We pray it all in Christ's name. Amen.